So how many of you tonight are tired? Anybody tired? You can admit it, even though you're here. All right? I won't ask at what level. Some of you are probably exhausted. I know at least two people in here that are exhausted. Three, Marley Ray, three. So just tired. Uh, there's, there was a research study completed that one, only, only one person, out of seven in America, um, report waking up fresh every day of the week. Only one out of seven. I mean, first of all, just let's think about that for a second. Can you imagine waking up completely refreshed in the morning? I mean, wow, what a wonderful feeling that would be. Can you imagine doing that all seven days of the week? Well, not too many of us can, because only one out of seven. And that's for a whole variety of reasons. Experts would tell us, and we could give testimonies. We could stand up, whether it's, uh, yeah, we could just give all sorts of reasons, right? Uh, stress, uh, worry, uh, whoever we're sleeping in the same bed with, maybe a big dog or a cat, uh, a baby keeping us up at night, noises in the house, whatever the case may be. Uh, maybe you just have to work hard into the night, and you got to get up early um, and feed the chickens and take care of the hogs. I mean, who knows? Lots and lots of reasons. Maybe it's just because you like to play, and we stay up too late playing, whatever that might be. Uh, but we wake up tired. Uh, and then other things, we're just not very healthy in, in certain ways. So a lot of the foods that we eat and the lack of exercise all lead to us, uh, our, our bodies not working right and feeling fatigued. Uh, but being tired uh, uh, affects uh, all aspects of our life and all of our relationships. When we're tired and cranky, we're just not at our best at home, at work, or at play. And uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And it's even a big deal to our faith. So last week when we gathered, um, Moses uh, was a baby. And so he was just a baby boy, and he was growing up or born in a time when it was very dangerous to be a baby boy. And we remember the story of his mother saving him by putting him in what? What did Moses? A basket, right? So put him in a basket, put him in the reeds. He was saved by the Pharaoh's daughter, and so on and so forth. Uh, but when we left that story, the point is we left Moses um, as a baby. In the, and eventually uh, weaned, by, weaned by his own mother through that story, uh, we leave him in, uh, to grow up in the Pharaoh's palace in Egypt. So he's a Israelite growing up as an Egyptian for all intents and purposes. And that's where we leave him, as a baby. The funny thing is, um, we skip in our reading to chapter 6, but if we would have just went one more verse, one more verse, in chapter 2, we would have found that Moses went from being a baby to being a murderer. In one verse. Did you know Moses was a murderer? He murdered somebody? One verse. Chapter, or verse 11. Uh, and so what happens is, uh, right after we leave and go home from church last week, Moses is the cute little baby, and now he's getting into a mess. Uh, and so the story starts to unfold for Moses in a very powerful way in the scriptures. 
And uh, it's kind of a, a, an action story from, from one verse to the next. And it gets off to start with uh, Moses notices an, an Egyptian in the court mistreating one of his Israelite uh, brothers or sisters or brothers. And so he looks around, the scriptures tell us, and then he takes matters into his own hands and he kills the Egyptian. And so Moses gets into trouble um, in the court. A few verses later, he intervenes again. He just can't say out of people's business, I guess, uh, is what Moses is all about here in these early verses. Um, he sees two of uh, uh, the Israelites, and now it's two Israelites that are fighting. And so this was an Egyptian and an Israelite in this picture. Um, just stay there, yeah. And, uh, but then he sees two um, Israelites, and he gets involved with that. And they say, oh, who, are, who made you boss of us? Um, what are you going to do, kill us like you did the Egyptian? And then Moses says, uh-oh, you know, the story is getting around. And so then that sets off a, a uh, he's got to get out of town. And so that gets Moses on the move as an adult. And so he starts to flee Egypt. And then he gets into all kinds of things as he goes. You can go. Um, and so as he leaves Egypt, um, there's some fascinating stories here in chapters, uh, the end of chapter 2, into chapter 3. At the end of chapter 2, this is a picture of him um, as he's going into uh, uh, Midian, uh, which is across the border. Um, he's getting some, some water here at a, at a well, and he runs some shepherds. On. Some women are trying to get some water, and some shepherds come, and they try to chase the women off, and he intervenes, and he ends up finding a wife. So he takes out for some, some, for, some, for some women. He ends up meeting his wife, Zephora, through this adventure. So just one adventure after another. Uh, then as we go into the next chapter, chapter 3, so all of this is happening so fast. One, two, three. Uh, now he's uh, meeting God firsthand. Uh, and not just God in any old way, but God in the burning bush. And so God's starting to talk to Moses, and we start to get this feeling that, that wow, you know, Moses is, has been saved um, through this basket, through the reeds, by the Pharaoh's daughter, not just to be saved in a cute and sentimental story, but for a powerful reason, that God's going to use him in a very, very powerful way. Uh, and so he gets his attention through the burning bush, and uh, they have this conversation. God reveals to him uh, his name, and his name is I Am. He says, is that who I am? I am. Um, and, he, and he starts to, to uh, reveal himself in a very special way to Moses, and therefore the Israelites um, going forward. So then, um, after the uh, burning bush, um, we start to get a sense that uh, we hear about some rumblings in Egypt, and how the people are complaining and they're worried, uh, and they're still being mistreated back there. And so we start to, uh, at the end of chapter 3, or in the chapter 3, we start to hear uh, that God might have a special job for Moses. Uh, Moses might be the one that goes and, and delivers the people through the power of God. And, and Moses starts to push back a little bit and says, you know, I'm just an ordinary guy. In fact, I'm kind of flawed. I don't even speak very well. You know, why me, basically? And they're not going to believe me. The people aren't going to believe me. Pharaoh's not going to believe me. But I've talked to you here at this burning bush. They're going to think I'm crazy and probably try to lock me up and kill me. 
And so uh, one of the great scenes of the Bible is in chapter 4 is um, God gives him a couple different things he can do to prove that he's had his interaction with God. And one of them is, he says, you know, take this staff, this stick, and throw it on the ground. And when he throws it on the ground, this snake, this serpent pops out. And he says, go and pick up the serpent by the tail. And he picks it up by the tail and it turns back into a staff. Uh, another is, he says, go get some water from the Nile. And he gets the water, he says, throw it out on the ground. When he throws it out on the ground, it turns into blood. He says, if they don't believe those, then, then put your hand in your jacket and pull it out. And he pulls it out, it's all ashy and leopard leprosy type, you know, it's a skin problem. And he says, put it back in. And then he puts it back in and pull it back out and it's clean again. And so all of you, so three different tricks, basically. Uh, magical tricks through the power of God that he gives Moses to try to prove that he's had this interaction with God. And he says, this is going to help you uh, through this uh, adventure that I'm, I'm calling and putting this call on your heart. And so that, uh, and then uh, chapter 5, it describes the uh, um, and in the chapter 4, beginning of chapter 5, it describes what happens as he starts to go back to Egypt and his first meeting with the Pharaoh that doesn't go very well. Uh, and then that leads us up to, uh, in fact, it makes things worse for the Israelites, and then they really get mad. Now they're not just mad at God, they're mad at Moses as well. Uh, and so all that action takes place and leads us up to chapter 6, which we read here tonight, where God's saying, no, look, you, know, you are the one. That's, that's called, you're the one I have equipped to do this job. You're going to go get your people free. Your family is going to go to freedom as I have already promised. And you're the one that's going to be the agent of that change. Uh, of that change. And so that's where we are. And so as we read, as we read this scripture, it's this beautiful conversation. Again, it's kind of familiar. It sounds a lot like what we heard in uh, chapter uh, 3 with the burning bush, some of that is kind of repeated to him, and maybe it's just a reminder. But the first thing that God says to Moses is, I am the Lord. He reminds him, hey, I'm Yahweh, I'm the Lord. Um, I'm the one that appeared to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God, I'm God almighty and, and all-powerful. I'm the Lord. And so then he goes on to say, um, I've heard so he reminds Moses, I've heard the pride of your family, of your people, and we're going to do something about it. And then he goes on um, to give, uh, in, a, in a couple verses, some of the most powerful scriptures, some of the most powerful words um, ever uttered to the people of God, the people of Israel. It's so powerful that if we were, you and I were in a, a Jewish household, the night before we, go, we would go to bed, this would be part of our prayer, uh, these words, and this reminder of the Exodus story. When we woke up in the morning, we would remember these words that God gave uh, to Moses. This is how powerful this story is. In fact, this whole Exodus episode that we've talked about so far, and that we'll talk about again next week when they actually cross, um, cross out of Egypt, um, is so powerful and so central to the faith of our Jewish uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, that every Sabbath they remember this story. But every night they're going to hear these words in, in their prayers and remind these words. It's God speaking in the first person, and he's speaking um, action verbs. So God's saying, I'm going to do this for you, is what he said. And so it's, it's over uh, verses 6 and 7. 
He says, I will free you. He tells God, tell the people this. Tell the people this. I will free you. And in the, uh, in, in the old language, it's yesah. So in our prayer, he would say, yesah. I will free you. And that just sounds powerful, right? I will free you. The next part of the prayer is, I will deliver you. I will deliver you. And that's nasal. Nasal. So, yesah and nasal. We would pray up to God. God tells Moses, tell them this. If they don't hear that, tell them this. I will redeem you. I will redeem you. And that's gayol. And then finally, in the verse 7, it kind of takes a little turn, a little shift, and we kind of look to the future a little bit. So not only will God free them, deliver them, and redeem them, but he says, I will take you. I will take you. Um, basically, I will take you as my own. Uh, and that is Lagos. So these, these four action verbs, yesah, nesol, yeshal, and legal, would be part of our beautiful prayers at night and in the morning uh, that we would say this night if we were in a Jewish household. And what great reminders they are, especially if you've just experienced a day where you feel like you know, you've been in bondage uh, in, in some way, shape, or form just by ordinary life that you and I live. So that's the deal. Uh, where God says, tell the people this. And so, but what happens is, um, God or Moses goes and tells the people this, this beautiful, beautiful uh, message from God. And Moses is the messenger. He goes to his people, his brothers and sisters, the Israelites, and he says, yay, saw, nay, saw, gay, out, God. And Yahweh is yours, and Yahweh is mine. The problem is, they didn't listen. Scripture tells us they didn't listen. Now, I don't know what would have happened if the people of God would have listened. Maybe the story would have turned out totally different. We're taking a different turn there. Maybe we would have never even had to play. Maybe that just by receiving that word and listening to God's message of deliverance, um, maybe the people would have just walked straight out of Egypt. And Pharaoh would have left them alone and let them go. Maybe that was just, and it was. Part one of the message was, go tell the people, I'm going to free them. I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to redeem them. And I will take you. And I'm going to take you there to the promised land. But the scriptures tell us they didn't listen. You know why the scriptures tell us? And you got to hear this part. I know I'm losing you because you're tired. <laughs> Does anybody know why they didn't listen? Scripture tells us. Why didn't they listen? Well, Scripture says they didn't listen to Moses because of their complete exhaustion. They were exhausted. He said in the beginning, I don't know about you, but I know me, for me, I speak for myself. When I'm exhausted, I'm not very good at anything. I'm always a pretty good husband. But when I'm tired and exhausted, I'm not a very good dad. That was a joke. Was that <laughs> not that tired. I'm not very good at anything. I'm not very good. I don't want to listen. It's not just that I don't listen. When you're tired, when I'm tired, I don't want to listen. I just want to go to sleep. Or go lay down. Or go put my feet up. They were exhausted. The scripture says it in black and white here. They did not listen because they were completely exhausted. And they had good reason to be exhausted. They were 
slaves, and they were being treated terribly at this point in the story. Uh, they were being abused at this point in the story. Uh, and so they were exalted, and they didn't listen. So then the Lord says, you know, them, we're going to tell Pharaoh, and Moses says, hey, my own people didn't listen to me. Why in the world would Pharaoh listen And so then that's when God says, hey, look, you know, you're going to go. Nevertheless, go. And Aaron's going to go with you. Aaron's going to help you speak. Pharaoh's not going to listen at first, but then ultimately, I'm going to get into battle with Pharaoh through these ten plagues, and I'm going to win. So we should go and do it. And so then, from this <coughs> Chapter on, as we go into seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, next few chapters, we're going to see this battle play out in terms of the plagues. And eventually, we get to the Passover story. We'll talk about that more next week. And Pharaoh's going to let the people go. And God's going to ultimately, yea, Saul, make Saul, yea, all the people of Israel. But for just this night, for just this moment, let that sink in that. This pivotal part of the story, the people of Israel had a chance to listen to the redemptive word of God. And they didn't listen simply because they were exhausted. And all the pain and discomfort that comes afterwards uh, because they didn't listen. And God ultimately wins. But maybe. God could have won a little bit earlier and a little less, less painful for the Israelites if they would have simply listened. But they couldn't because they were exhausted. So, my prayer for all of us tonight, my word for all of us tonight, is for us to wake up. Wake up! And in order to wake up, maybe we got to get some rest. So get some rest first. Get some rest. <coughs> wake up! So that you and I can be prepared to hear the redemptive word of God. God wants to free you. God wants to deliver me. And God wants to redeem all of us. And God wants to take all of us as his children. No matter what it is we're going through. Um, and God is telling us that. And reminding us that at all times and in all places. And in most cases, we're just too tired to hear. So if you want to hear that awesome and wonderful good news word, get some rest. Be ready and be in a better position to receive. Wake up. Wake up. I'm so tired I can't even say the words the right way. Um, but we all need to rest. And then I think about that one out of seven. One out of seven. Only. One out of seven only. Wake up feeling refreshed every day. You know what that makes me think of and remind me of this one? It's Sabbath. One day out of the week is Sabbath. There's like a funny play on the numbers there. So if you can't get rest every day, at least pick one day out of the week to get some real good rest that you can be in position, at least for that day, to hear the word of God. And maybe, just maybe, by being a little bit rusty, we can hear um, these wonderful words of freedom and deliverance and redemption that God is speaking to us each and every day. Oh, what a wonderful day it is to hear that word.
But let's get a good night's sleep tonight. Let's just go home right now. Go to bed, right? Get a good night's sleep. Get a good night's sleep and wake up refreshed. And we pray that we hear these words of ours. Yay, Yay, Saul. Yay, all. And no God. May God add his blessing to the word. May we all hear it. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.